Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Acts, chapter number 3. The book of Acts, chapter number 3. We're going to begin reading with verse number 1 this morning. We're going to read down and include verse number 10. Acts chapter 3 began reading with verse number 1. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened To him. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that you will anoint the reading and the ministry of the word of the Lord this morning. God, I just pray that you will do what we are unable to do by your Holy Spirit. Father, may the result be in line with your will for today. We ask all of these things in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, Praise the Lord. You may be reseated. This morning. Well, let me remind you that we are in a series that I'm calling Take Action. Turn to your neighbor and say, Take Action. What we are doing is we are walking through the book of Acts. You see, the book of Acts is an action packed book. And so far in our series, we We have witnessed the ascension of Jesus back into heaven. We have witnessed the descension of the Holy Spirit on the 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And today, we start seeing some of the results of the upper room experience. Say results. Say it again. Results. You see, the upper room experience. The upper room experience prepares us for the encounters that we will have once we leave the upper room. See, too many of us are like Peter, James, and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember when when Jesus and Peter and James and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration and and the glory of Jesus was, was displayed? And it was so awesome, and it was so incredible, and it was so marvelous that Peter said, Lord, he said, Lord, it's good. It's good for us to be up here. God, this is, God, this is absolutely incredible. This is, this is wonderful. This is marvelous. This is, this is awesome. And, and Peter said to the Lord, Lord, we, we, we need to build three tabernacles. 
Lord, we need to build one for you. We need to build one for Moses. And we need to build one for for Elijah. Peter said said to Jesus, let's stay up here 24-7, man. Man, let's never come down off of this mountaintop experience. Let's just stay here and bask in this glory and bask in your presence forever. As I was thinking about that this past week, I believe this is the way that that too many of us spirit-filled people are. We want to stay in the upper room. We want to stay in the upper room. For us, for us Pentecostal people, for us spirit-filled people, it's all about the experience. Some people claim if we, that we don't have enough church. My complaint is that we are not being the church. You know, people want Sunday school and they want Sunday services and they want midweek Bible study and they want fellowship and uh, fellowships and Lord knows we need three extra women's meetings every single week. But my question this morning is, when do, we, when do we come out of the upper room? When do we get beyond the experience? When do we get out of the upper room and when do we start being the church? See, we're really good at doing church. And I mean these days, I mean these days with all of the opportunities and all of the examples that we have that we can look and, you know, and find. Man, we are really, really, really good at doing church. But let me tell you that we are failing miserably at being the church. We're great in our holy huddles. But we don't do so well outside the upper room. Now hear me this morning, hear me clearly, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's not important to go to church, you know better than that. I believe that we need to be in church every time that the doors are open. I believe it is important that we gather together, that we fellowship with one another, that we, that, that, that we worship, that we study, that we pray. I believe that it is important that we go to church, but let me tell you that after we go to church, then that's the time that we need to become the church. In Acts chapter 3, the 120 have left the upper room. It's time to do something with their experience they just had in the upper room. There are five things this morning I want to point out to you. Five things that I see in this passage. Five things I see in the first ten verses of Acts chapter 3. And the first thing that I see here, and I want to share with you this morning, I see the appointment, and we find the appointment uh, in verse number 1. It says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Two things I want us to notice here this morning. First of all, I want us to notice the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. The Jews made prayer a priority. They actually prayed three times a day. They had a schedule that they prayed at 9 a.m., they prayed at noon, and they prayed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Three hours of prayer every single day. Listen, most Christians today can't pray five minutes. Don't look at me in that tone of voice this morning. You're scaring me to death. But not only do I want us to notice the priority of prayer, but also I want us to notice the productivity of prayer. Listen, those who make prayer a priority will enjoy its fruit. 
I have learned through experience that the greatest investment that I can make of my time is the time that I invest in prayer. Let me tell you, there are a lot of things that call for my attention. There are a lot of, lot of things that pull and tug upon me as a pastor. But I have discovered in my experience in nearly 44 years as, as a full-time pastor, and that is the greatest investment of my time is the time that I spend upon my knees, the time that I spend in the presence of God, the time that I spend calling upon God in prayer. I've learned that the degree of power that I enjoy in my public ministry is determined by the investment that I am willing to make in my private prayer time. John Wesley said, God does nothing except in answer to believing prayer. John Macefield said, God warms his hands at man's heart when he prays. Martin Luther said, he said, I am so busy and I have so much work to do, so I must spend the first three hours of my day in prayer if I'm going to get my work done. And Billy Graham said, he said, the only way to get our nation back on its feet is to first get it down on its knees. Hear me this morning, some of you are not going to like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. America will not be won to Jesus by waging political war on Facebook. America will not be won to Jesus by you putting everything on Facebook that you can't stand about America and politics and politicians. Let me tell you that if America is going to be won back to God, amen, the only way it's going to be won back to God, and that is if the people of God that are called by the name of God will get upon their face and pray and seek the face of God and turn from their wicked ways, and then God will hear from heaven. He'll heal their land and he'll forgive their sin. It's a whole lot easier to spout off on Facebook than it is to come to prayer meeting. I'm sorry, the spirit of Doug has just come out of me a little bit this morning. The only reason I have Brother Doug come is so you know there is somebody meaner than me. The first thing that I see in our scripture for today is the appointment. Peter and John had an appointment, an appointment to, to pray, an appointment with God. The question that I have for us today is, do we have, have we made ourselves an appointment? Have we made prayer a priority in our lives? Let me tell you this this morning, perhaps our lack of productivity is directly related to our lack of making prayer a priority. Notice the next thing that I see in Acts chapter 3 this morning. The second thing that I see is I see the afflicted. And we see the afflicted in verses 2 and 3. Let's read that. A certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for um, and there are two things about this lame man I want to talk about this morning. The first thing I want to share with you about him, and that is he knew where to go. The lame man, he knew where to go. He knew that he could find help at the house of God. It's interesting to me that when people have a need, they don't seem to seek help at the bar. 
They seek help at the house of God. People who never go to church, people who never think about the church, people who don't want to have anything to do with the church and yet let them get into trouble, uh, let something bad happen in their lives, and where do they go? They go to the church. People knock on our door, ring our doorbell at our church every single week. People that I guarantee you haven't been to church in years and years and years and years. But all of a sudden they've got a need in their life. And what is the first place they go? They go to the church. Why? Because they know they can find help at the house of God. On my recent trip to Calcutta, India... Many stories were told to us about missionary Mark Buntain. And one of the stories that they told was about a beggar that sat outside of the church that Mark Buntain pastored. And this beggar was heard to say that in all of the years that Mark Buntain was the pastor of that church, and all of the years that Mark Buntain walked by this man, that he never failed even one time to put something in his beggar's cup. Every single day, and if he went multiple times a day, he never passed by the beggar without putting something in his cup. This beggar, just like the one in Acts chapter 3, knew where to go for help. Oh, I hope that, that people who are truly and genuinely in need, I hope they know that they can find help at the grace place. I hope that those that have been crippled by sin or those that have been crippled by injustice or, or those that have been crippled by an unloving relationship, whatever, whatever the cause is irrelevant, but I hope, I hope they hear that they can find help at the house of God, that they can find help at this church, a place where caring people care for people. Not only did this lame man know where to go for help, but he knew who to ask. He knew who to ask for help. Verse number three, who seeing Peter and John. I think it interesting, out of all of the people that were entering the temple to pray, this lame man singled out Peter and John. Why Peter and John, what made them so special? I don't know for sure, but, but perhaps they still had the glow of the glory that fell upon them in the upper room. Let me tell you this morning, not everybody who walks in here to worship on Sunday morning still has the glow of God's glory upon them. I want to ask you this this morning. How, how long has it been since some needy person singled you out of the crowd? And let me ask you this this morning. If, if some needy person did single you out of the crowd, would you have the goods to help them? And I'm not talking about money. Notice the third thing that I see in our scripture today, and that is I, I find the answer. And we find the answer in verses Four through six. Let's read that. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up 
and walk. Two things I want to talk about here this morning. First of all, two things I want to talk about the answer. First of all, it's found in a person. Now, we need to understand that the person is ultimately Jesus. But Jesus works through people. Jesus never touches someone, but what he uses somebody else's hands to touch them with. Jesus never gives anything to anyone, but what he uses somebody else's possessions to give with. Let me tell you this morning that if you have a need in your life, walk close to somebody who walks close to Jesus. Write this down this morning. Write this down. This is worth the whole cost of admission this morning. By the way, some of you didn't pay. (laughs) Write this down this morning. A moment of favor, a moment of favor is more valuable than a lifetime of labor. A moment of favor is more valuable than a lifetime of labor. See, see, a person in a strategic position can open a door for you in a moment's time that you could not pry open on your own in a lifetime. When I look back at the appointments of my life, when I look back at the places that I have been, I can not only look at a place, but I can always look at a person. Because I can look at those places that I have been that I know that God sent me, I know God called me, I know God placed me, and He always used a person. I'm here today because of a person. A person that I knew, a person that knew me. It wasn't a coincidence, it was a divine appointment. A moment of favor is more valuable than a lifetime of labor. A person, a, a person in a strategic position, I've already said, I'm saying it again, it can open a door for you in a moment that you couldn't pry open on your own in a lifetime. Let me tell you this this morning, the answer to every problem can, will come through a person. The answer to every problem will come through a Person. Now we understand ultimately that person is Jesus, but Jesus will do his work through people. The lame man in Acts 3 was healed by Jesus, but Jesus flowed his healing power through Peter and John. Are you getting this this morning? See, Jesus wants to use us. He wants to use you and he wants to use me to flow his healing through You see, Jesus is the source of healing, but we are the conduit that he uses to flow through. We're talking about the answer right now. It's found in a person. Number two, it's found in his power. The layman looked at Peter and John and noticed the phrase, expecting to receive something from them. The lame man looked at Peter and John expecting. First of all, the man was expecting. He was anticipating. He was believing that Peter and John had something for him. Oh, oh, I wonder what would happen in our church if we came on Sunday morning expecting, anticipating, believing, amen, that God was going to do something in and through our life.
Second of all, what he thought he needed wasn't what he really needed. The lame man, what he thought he needed wasn't what he really needed. He thought he needed money. If Peter and John would have put a penny or two in his cup, he would have been thrilled. He would have been happy. He would have been thankful. He would have received what he wanted. He would have received what he thought he needed. But it wasn't a penny or two that he needed. It wasn't money. It wasn't resources that he needed. He thought he needed money. He thought he needed financial aid. What he really needed was for his legs to work so that he could provide for himself. Somebody said, teach a man to fish. Or excuse me, somebody said, give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he will eat for a lifetime. The, the, the lame man thought if I could just get a penny or two, if I could just get an offering, if I could just get some monetary help, if I could just get something in my cup so that I could buy myself some bread, if only I could get this little bit of money, I would have what I need. But what he really needed was what, not what he thought he needed. Peter said to the lame man, silver and gold I do not have. For those of you who think the preacher makes too much money, at least Peter and John didn't, or they didn't have it on them anyway. Don't know why he didn't use his debit card or something, you know. Peter said to the lame man, I don't have a temporary fix for you. I don't have what you think you need, but I do have what you really need, and that is I have the power of Jesus Christ flowing through me. I have just come out of the upper room, and in the upper room I received power, and so although I do not have what you think you need, I do have what you really need, and Peter said to him in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Here's what we need to understand this morning. We cannot give what we do not have. We cannot give what we do not have. See, God strategically places people in our lives, family, friends, co-workers, people we seem to bump into by coincidence. And many of these people are trying to find answers to their perplexing questions. And Jesus is the answer, but he uses people to flow the answers through. And he uses people like you and like me. But we cannot give what we do not have. And let's look at the fourth thing that I see in our scripture for today, and that is I see the assistance. The assistance. It's found in verse number seven. And he, Peter, took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Notice two things here. Number one, a helping hand must follow an encouraging word. You guys are awful quiet this morning to just come through Breakthrough Conference. A helping hand must follow an encouraging word. Notice Peter didn't just tell the lame man to get up, but he reached down his hand and helped him up. See, see, it doesn't take a lot of effort to tell somebody who is down to get up. 
act. That's what we like to do. When people are down, we just say, well, get up. But it doesn't take a lot of effort to just tell somebody who is down to get up. But listen, it does take some effort in order to help pull somebody up. And I want you to hear my heart this morning. I want you to hear this part of the message this morning. This is the business of the church. Helping people up. The business of the church is not just about learning how to wow people with cool and engaging and entertaining services, and I love that too. But the business of the church, and especially the business of this church, is caring people, caring for people. The business of this church is finding people that are down, amen, and not just telling them to get up, but also to reach down our hands and help lift them up, help pull them up. The business of this church is helping the cripple to regain their strength. People that have been crippled by disease or crippled by disappointment or or crippled by divorce or dysfunction or, or even just crippled by their own dumb decisions that they have made. Let me tell you this morning, it's not enough for me just to stand up here on Sunday morning and give an encouraging word. It's not enough this morning for me just to stand up here and give you some kind of pep talk every Sunday morning. It's not, just, it's not good enough for me just to stand up here this morning and tell you to get up in the name of Jesus. But listen, I need helping hands. I need helping hands that will come behind me and they will, they will reach down their hand and they will help pull people up. Here's something else that we need to understand. Some people need more help than others. For some, it's a one-time thing. For others, it is an ongoing thing. I will say this. And I want to make a disclaimer. This is Mike Benson talking. This is not thus saith the Lord. It's usually not too hard to separate those two things, but... Paul said that one time, this isn't necessarily the Lord, but it's Paul. So if Paul did it, I can do it. I have no problem helping people who are genuinely, say genuine. I have no problem helping people who are genuinely in need and are doing everything in their power to overcome their need. I do have a problem helping people who continue to make the same mistake over and over and over and over and over again and who make zero effort to change their behavior. And although they're making the same mistake for the 14th time and they've made absolutely zero effort to change, They expect me or they expect the church to rescue them over and over and over again. And they have developed an entitlement attitude. Just saying. I made my disclaimer. It's all right. Never forget hearing a pastor's wife tell the story. Of how a certain lady in their church 
She was spending so much time with this lady, so much time, had such a burden, so much time with this lady. One night she had a dream. And in this dream, she was standing on the very edge of hell. She looked behind her and she could see the flames. And she had her hands outstretched. And this lady, she was holding this lady out of hell. She was holding this lady out of hell. And it was taking all of her effort. It was taking all of her time. It was taking all of her effort to keep this lady out of hell. And she said, suddenly, she looked over to the right of her. And she saw people. Hell, 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 hell. Well, she's holding this one person. I'll let you draw your own conclusions this morning. All right, let's, let's move on. The fifth thing that I see, the final thing I see in these 10 verses of Acts chapter 3 is the amazement. And we find the amazement in verses 8 through 10. It says, so the lame man, he leaped up. Leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God in church. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to Let me suggest two things here and then we're done for today. Let me suggest, first of all, the changed lives get people's attention. Changed lives get people's attention. All of us can think of somebody who we thought would be the last person on earth to ever get saved. How many know about and thinking about a, a certain person? I'm thinking about a man that I used to work for when I was about 17 years of age. I was hanging drywall. He was a a drywall contractor, and I was hanging drywall for him. And this man was the most vulgar. He was the most vile. He was the most wicked man I think I've ever met, even to this day. Every Every other word out of his mouth was a swear word. His favorite was the F word. He knew that I was a little preacher boy. I was 17 years old and I was a preacher. And, and so he tried to, he tried to, to defile the, the little preacher boy with his dirty mind. All that manifested itself through his mouth. I've discovered two things happen when somebody finds out I'm a pastor, or I'm, a, I'm a minister, or a preacher. Either they clean up their act or they put it in overdrive. One or the other, never in between. It's either they just, you know, they apologize to me for their mouth or for their story or whatever. And I just always tell them, look, I'm no better than you are. You don't have to apologize to me. I'm not saying you don't need to apologize, but it's not me you need to apologize to. <laughs> they either clean up their act or, man, they either put it in overdrive. Man, that's what Harvey did. He would just... I mean, you know, he would just test and try me every single day and try and tell me bad stories and ugly stories and use sexual innuendos and and, and use the F word, every other word. And, and, And he was just a vulgar, vile, he was a sinner. And he was good at it. 
My brother also worked for him. And one day, my brother called him in order to ask directions to a certain job. And my brother, just making small talk, he said, Hey, Harvey. Hey, Harvey, what you doing today? And Harvey said, Oh, not much, Bruce. I'm just sitting around here praising the Lord. My brother later told me about it, and he said he nearly dropped the See, Harvey had gone to church and the Holy Spirit had tugged upon Harvey's heart and the Holy Spirit had brought conviction to Harvey's heart and Jesus saved him and Jesus cleansed him and Jesus totally turned his life around and people that knew Harvey were totally amazed. Listen to me, listen to me, change lives, get people's attention. And something else changed lives, grow people's faith. See, see, when people see what Jesus does in the life of somebody else, they can believe that he can do the same for them as well. Let me ask you this this morning. Why did blind Bartimaeus cry out to Jesus when Jesus passed by? Let me ask you this. Why did the woman with the issue of blood, why did she seek out Jesus? Why did she work her way through the crowd? And why did she reach out and touch the hem of the Lord's garment? And let me ask you this this morning. Why did the palsied man ask four of his best buddies to carry him to where Jesus was? I don't know the exact answer, but perhaps at least part of the answer is surely they had witnessed or at least they had heard of what Jesus was doing for others. And maybe they thought that if Jesus can do this for others, then why wouldn't he do this for me? Listen, this morning, you may be sitting here this morning and you've seen Jesus change. He changed people's lives. You've seen Jesus change other people's lives drastically. And maybe that has brought encouragement and faith to your heart this morning and maybe you're here this morning and you think wow wow if Jesus did that for him if Jesus did that for her maybe Jesus can do that for me the old song says it is no secret what God can do what he's done for others he'll do for you. But the truth is, the truth is, for far too many, uh, oh, for far too many, it is a secret because we're not telling anybody. Change lives, get people's attention. Change lives, grow people's faith. Peter said to the lame man, I don't have a temporary fix for you, man. Peter said to the lame man, silver and gold I do not have. Oh, but I have something that you have not asked for. And what I have that you have not asked for, even though you think you need some money, although you think you need a monetary blessing, but I have what you are really in need of, what you really need for your life, and that is the healing virtue and the healing power of Jesus Christ. And so Peter said to the lame man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter reached down his right hand and and he grabbed the man by the hand and he pulled the man up and the man leaped to his feet and he began to walk and he began to leap and he began to praise God. His feet and his ankle bones received strength. He was touched by Almighty God. Maybe you're here this morning, you think, I have this need, I have that need, I have some other need. Maybe that's not the need that you have at all. Maybe the need that you really have this morning is you need an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe what you really need today, amen, is a touch of the glory of the Son of the living God upon your life. Maybe what you need this morning is for Jesus, amen, as He's passing and walking by you today. Maybe what you need to do is reach out and touch Him, reach out and embrace Jesus. Let me tell you that He can do for you what no one else can do. I believe this same Jesus is walking among us today. 
Hear me this morning, hear me this morning, if you are crippled today, whether that be physically, whether that be emotionally, whether that be relationally, whether that be mentally, whether that be spiritually, if you are crippled today, life has crippled you, you find yourself crippled in life, I'm telling you there is one that is here this morning, there is one that is here today that has the power, amen, to get you back up on your feet and get you moving again, amen, your feet and your ankle bones can receive strength today, where you have been weak in the past, you can be strong today, where you have failed in the past, amen, you can have success in the future, amen, this same Jesus, amen, that healed this lame man through the power that flowed through Peter and John, that same Jesus is right here right now, and he wants to do for you today, amen, what he did for the lame man in Acts chapter 3. The takeaway for this message today is this, Pentecost prepares us for what God has planned for us. Pentecost prepares us for what God has planned for us. Pentecostal, charismatic, Spirit-filled people, it's all about the experience. And this experience today better be better than the experience I got last Sunday. Let me tell you the truth of the matter is, it is not all about the experience. I'm not downplaying the experience. Man, I like it when goosebumps are running up and down my back so big you could hang a hat on them. I like the chills and the thrills just like anybody else. But I'm telling you, that's not the end in itself. Pentecost prepares us for what God has planned for us. You need the power of Pentecost to make it through the next experience God is going to take you through. But you also need the power that comes at Pentecost to be able to touch the hearts and the lives of the people. So that when you walk by the lame man like Peter and John did, you've got the goods. Second takeaway from the message this morning is this. People are depending on us to do something with what we have received. People are looking to us. Too often they are disappointed in us. And the third takeaway for the message today, it's time to take action. This is a year of prayer. We're praying. Hopefully, we had a series of sermons on prayer. We had a series of sermons on miracles. Now it's time to take action. Now it's time to do something. We had the breakthrough conference. We were in the upper room for four services. And they were glorious and they were wonderful. But now it's time to leave the upper room. Take action. It's time to stop just going to church. It's time to start doing church. Being the church. 